The Word of God is supernatural, it is wisdom-giving, it is life-changing, and it is joy-producing. How's that for a book endorsement, huh? Some books you might read, the back says, this book will change your life. The thing about the Bible, it's actually true. This book will change your life when faith is applied to it as you understand the Holy Spirit has written it and God is all over it. Hi, and welcome to Live in the Light. I'm your host, Craig Turnbull, and joining me in our studio is our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons. We're thankful that you're here today. We're in the middle of a series we're calling God Speaks. We're looking at the deep truths of Psalm 19. It was C.S. Lewis who said, I take this psalm to be the greatest poem in all of the book of Psalms and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. Wow. Well, that's where we're going today, Psalm 19, and specifically, we're looking at how God is speaking to us in His Word. Isn't that right, Robbie? So the first section is God speaking through His creation. That's called the world book of God. And now today, what we see is God speaking to us through His Word, which of course is the Word of God, the Bible written to us as God's special revelation. And both books are used to see the glory of God. And today specifically then, loved ones, be so encouraged because what happens is we sometimes get a little distracted away from the realities and the purity of why we have God's word within our lives. But today may our minds be renewed with the awesome truth that that's exactly what God's word does. Listen, he wants to speak to you today. That's right. You, you're not listening by accident. God wants a, a conversation with you to change you for his glory. And that's why we love having this opportunity at Living the Light to do what we get to do. So may God use it powerfully in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And let's get right away to God's word for us today. God is speaking. Are you listening? Psalm 19, verse 7. And here again is Robbie. Loved ones, as we continue to kind of enter into this theme of God speaking, I can't really overstate how important this is for the Christian life. Um, the principles of truth that we're covering right now together, this applies to every life. Okay, you you got to hear this, right? This is what I'm often trying to take theological concepts and truth and just boil it down to its simplest form so we can all have it on our plate and eat it. You know what I'm saying? And this is a buffet for all of us right now. What we're learning right now is principles for every single life here and every single day. Like, there's not a day you wake up and like, well, I don't need this stuff. Every single day I need it and every single day you need it. Every single life needs it. I mean, that's what God's trying to say to us. He's speaking and we need to be listening. And as we listen, then we're transformed and we're changed. And this is what God wants to do through our lives. So there, there's not one person here right now who this does not apply to. And there's not one day that we live that these things about God speaking does not apply to us as well. So God's speaking and the question becomes, are we listening? He's speaking and are we listening? Now God's speaking through creation last week, week one, verses one to six. And again, I appreciate, I got so many emails and some texts of, of, of your captures of God's creation. That's, that's encouraging for me. Uh, our church learning to hear the voice of God every day, 
inspired by that, loving that. But this week we see this, how God not only speaks through creation, but of course, verses 7 to 11, how God speaks through his word. Now, before we go any further, week one, creation, week two, word. Notice the beautiful, glorious doctrine within this text already, within this psalm. You have God speaking through creation, God speaking through his word. Psalm 19 contains some great theology. It's just not said maybe in the way we've heard it in the past. Two doctrinal terms reveal how God speaks. One is general revelation. The second is special revelation. Let's remind each other what these terms mean. General revelation is the knowledge of God's existence, character, and moral law that comes through creation. Verses 1 to 6 is right there, to all of humanity. General revelation, God says, Romans 1, I have presented myself so clearly that no one has an excuse to say there is no God. God has revealed himself through creation. But then we get the next level of revelation, because a sunset, we're going to hear later on, sunset can't save you. A sunset can amaze you. But a sunset can't save you. But the word of God contains the power of the gospel for salvation. This now is special revelation. Creation's amazing. The special revelation written in the word of God definitively through Jesus Christ is a whole nother level of God speaking. So special revelation then is God's words addressed to specific people, especially the words of the Bible. And again, definitively through Jesus Christ. So in other words, General revelation proves there's a God, but special revelation tells us exactly how to know him, how to be saved in his son, Jesus Christ. So right here in the psalm, I want you to see this. This is so beautiful. We have wonderful doctrine leading to beautiful application. We have God's world book, creation, and God's word book in the Bible. And here's what Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, I quote him often because, well, he seemed to get all this pretty good. He said this, he says, he or she who is wisest will read them both. The world book and the word and the word book will read them both as two volumes of the same work. And he will feel, he says, concerning them, my father wrote them both. So the awesome combination of watching a sunrise with your Bible open, saying God is speaking through creation. God is speaking to me through his word. My father wrote them both. I am so blessed as God communicates to me and to you who he is and what he's done. The world book creation, verses 1 to 6, the word book, the word of God, verses 7 to 11, general and special revelation. Let's start with the word book, now the Bible. God speaks to us through his word, which is a brilliant text. Psalm 19, verse 7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. I could preach a whole sermon just on that. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. God, would you do that today? Would you rejoice our heart because of the truth that is proclaimed? The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. You know, interestingly, in verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, the term L for God, the most basic fundamental term for God. But then now we see in verses 7 to 11, six times, The word Lord, Yahweh now, the personal word for Almighty God is now used as it relates to his word. 
The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, your servant is warned in keeping them and keeping the word of God. There is great reward. Or here's what we're learning when it comes to God speaking through his word. When it comes, when it comes to the word of God, the word of God is this. The word of God, point one, is supernatural, wisdom-giving, life-changing, and joy-producing. The word of God is supernatural, it is wisdom-giving, it is life-changing, and it is joy-producing. How's that for a book endorsement, huh? Some books you might read, the back says, this book will change your life. The thing about the Bible, it's actually true. This book will change your life when faith is applied to it. As you understand, the Holy Spirit has written it and God is all over it. It's so true that this book, and these are just some of the characteristics of this book that we hold, Lord willing, in our hand right now. But I'm telling you, too many Christians get lulled to sleep as to the reality of this book called the Bible. See, see, fundamentally, fundamentally, once again, the starting point for reading this book, the starting point for loving this book is to be convinced of this book. If you are not convinced of what this book is and who has written it, then you won't really read it and you won't really love it. This again is where doctrine leads to duty. This is where belief leads to behavior. When you believe that the Bible is supernatural, wisdom giving, life changing, joy producing, uh, you want to read it. You want to get in this book because you want to hear from God. But if you forget that the Bible is supernatural, wisdom giving, life changing, joy producing, and you think it's just a check mark you need to get in life, it won't become that all. Uh, you won't be hungering for that because the TV starts to compete with the Bible when you hold the TV compared to the word of God. It doesn't even come close because only the book written by God is supernatural, wisdom giving, life-changing, joy producing. Just think about that. And you see when you believe, loved ones, if you really believe that, then that changes your behavior. When you see the doctrine of the word of God, it changes your duty towards it. Not because it's just, oh, God's going to be pleased with me if I do it. Because if I don't do it, I won't hear from God. And then I can't love God. You must understand. And right now, some of your minds are renewed right now as to the importance, the beauty, and the reality of why God has written this book. Verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I got to tell you, I love these verses. Why do I love these verses so much? Because it renews my mind to what we are doing right now. I mean, I, I read this and I can't help but be impacted as to this is what God promises to do. This is what we are doing. Therefore, today's a, a great day of God going to work among us because the law of the Lord is perfect and it revives the soul. Sometimes people ask in roundabout ways, Robbie, how come you get so excited while preaching? This is why. You see? I mean, look at what it's saying. The law of the Lord, the word of God is perfect. It revives the soul. If you get that, that the word of God is going to make wise the simple, it's going to rejoice the heart, it's going to enlighten the eyes, tell me as a preacher, how do you say it, bored? How do you take up this task and not have energy and passion and conviction? Yes, my passion might be different than your passion, but there's got to be something going on there. 
Because God's promising that lives are going to change and you walk into this and you're just going through the motions in some monotone boredom place. I don't understand that. It's right there before us right now today. God is promising what he does. How do you approach that? Stale, uninspired, and bored. How? How? I say it should be theologically impossible for the heart. It's truly implying themselves to what it's saying. Again, I said this before, loved ones, and just hear the man. Here's where, again, theology, theology leading to change of convictions. The Bible can never, ever be a check mark. It's a supernatural book. Remember, remember, God has written this book for you, for you. Now, the enemy is going to try to get you away from this in every way possible, man. Your flesh is going to want to run in the opposite direction. It's so much easier to turn the TV. It's so much easier to do anything else but to remember the convictions of the truth leading us to true change of seeking God, not so we have information, but so we can see transformation in our lives. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. That word perfect here can also mean a blameless. My Bible has a footnote for that as yours, being blameless and perfect really, um, it means um, complete. So in other words, then for the law of the Lord to be complete means that it's entirely sufficient. So what that means is if all we had was the book of the Bible, God is telling us it would be enough because it's the law of the Lord that revives or converts as another translation converts the soul really revive means brings to life. God's word brings to life. Those again who apply their faith to it and the truths within it. This is why Paul said to young Timothy in second Timothy three, he says, the sacred writings, the scriptures, the word of God, the law of the Lord, the Bible, which are able to make you wise for salvation. It's the sacred writings that contain the wisdom for salvation. This is why Jesus in Matthew 4, when tempted by Satan in the wilderness, and after 40 days of not eating, Satan tempts him with hunger, and Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 8 and says, man shall not live by bread alone. Listen to what he's saying here. But by every word that comes from the mouth of God, hear what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying right there, the word of God is the nourishment for our soul. If you want to hear God speaking, you must feed on his word that your soul is nourished, that your life would be changed. If you're not in a love with God and you don't have a hunger for his word, you simply cannot grow in Christ. Because man must live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What's our most easily accessible path to God's voice is his word. But it's incredible to me in our day how the Bible is subtly being closed even within the church itself when people fail to recognize exactly the spiritual disaster that they are undertaking. You see, you can't live the Christian life apart from the voice of God. You can't. It's impossible. At least not very well. Because what? The voice of God is in the word of God. God's voice in creation? Amen. But listen, God's voice through his word, there's a greater level. Because in his word is the power of God for salvation. It's the gospel in his word. Ultimately, everything pointing to Jesus Christ. We learn we need to be saved from our sin. And there's one man who can do this, the man, the God, Jesus Christ. By his blood died for us that we might be saved forever, set free. And God is continually leading us to revive our souls, to see us live for what matters most. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. 
verse 7, again, it says, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The word sure here is trustworthy. So God's saying here, you can be sure that my word is sure. You can be sure that my word is reliable. It is trustworthy. It is certain that 100% of his content can be trusted. And it says here, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And what happens here, what we discover is this truth of doctrine becomes the difference between the foolish and the wise. Those who take God at his word, those who trust that his Bible is correct. And this becomes one of the great tests of our day in our nation, maybe now more than ever. And the question is this, do I trust in God's word? Do I believe that God has spoken through his word and not just half of it or most of it? Do I believe all of it? has been written by God and can be trusted because in the reality of the pressure and the culture of evil that we face today, many pastors and churches and leaders and Christians are being pushed up against the wall to decide whether or not they actually believe God or are they going to cave to culture? And that's happening all over the place right now. Do we really trust that God knows more than we do, that his word is sure, or do we believe in the pressure of man and of culture that we're going to cave to the things that are pressuring us to compromise on our faith? But but notice what it's saying in verse 7. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So wisdom is found in God's word. If you start to compromise on God's word, you start to forsake the wisdom of God. So any Christian pastor, church, or leader that begins to soften the message of God's word, that begins to tear out pages of their Bible because the culture doesn't like it, begins to remove sections because they don't want to be disliked by people, they are removing God's wisdom from their life. They are forsaking the truth. They are forsaking God. Therefore, in light of wanting to be liked by man, they are choosing really man's approval over God's approval. That's how serious this is. And it really comes down to, do I believe that God wrote this book no matter what other people think about it? It's a question of truth. It's a question of faith. If you close the word, you close the wisdom of God. And if you close the wisdom of God, you're on your own. And if you're on your own, you're done. See, this is the starting point for all the liberal movements in the last hundred years. Liberal churches, the fundamental issue is always the authority of God's word. See, our first pillar in this church is proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology. You could say proclaiming God's word, but it has to be the authority of God's word because when it comes down to it, we have to say God knows, God is right. We are not, we need him. The authority of God's word. But a liberal church starts to take away the authority and then all of a sudden different issues are up now for debate. Now all of a sudden, did Jesus really say, I mean, it's Satan's greatest ploy. Did God really say in the Garden of Eden? And we start going down that list. And then all of a sudden, a church that was once a thriving community for faith for the kingdom of Jesus Christ is now a country club of nothing. And you pass churches all around on the way to this church today that used to be strong foundations for Jesus Christ and are now reduced to nothing because they have closed the Bible 
They have closed the wisdom of God. They have no fear of the Lord, and they're not even following Jesus Christ anymore. Can we all just get along? No, we can't. We can't if truth is being discarded and people start messing with the wisdom and the fear of the Lord. And listen, you and I, again, the the test is here and the test will come. Do we trust that God's word is sure, even in the face of the pressure of culture and the persecution that will come, that will come? We're all going to be tested, man. We're going to see what happens. This is when our doctrine must be so strong and our love and humility must be there as well to say, Lord, I'm staying with you and I'll seek the love in the process. God speaking, loved ones, I wonder if we're listening. Look at verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So the law of the Lord, the word of God here is described as right and as pure. The word right means um, straight. The precepts of the Lord are right. They are straight. So that means that God's word leads us on a path that is never crooked. God's word will never take us down a wrong way street. Man, how did I get here? I shouldn't be here. This is wrong. God's word will never lead us to a dead end destination. Now, 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 let's be clear. Sometimes God's path in his word will be bumpy. Sometimes it'll be an uphill climb. It will not always be easy. Can I get an amen? Life is going to be hard in Christ, but life will be awesome in Jesus Christ if we allow his strength to carry us on that path, but it'll never be crooked and it will never lead us to a place of, of ultimate harm. Ultimate harm. God's word is right. It is straight. It is correct. And notice the result of believing this to be true. I love this. God's word rejoices the heart. It enlightens the eyes. I love these phrases. Rejoicing the heart, enlightening the eyes. I resonate with this so strongly because it's the fruit of God through his word that cannot be equaled. When you follow God's word and his path, your heart and your spirit resonate with the rejoicing of the heart, with the enlightening of the eyes. You see and it brings satisfaction to your soul. It, it causes you to be spurred on to what God has for you, only produced by the Holy Spirit of God through his word. For example, this week, and this is just one example of well, anywhere in God's word. I was in Psalm, Psalm 17, verse 15. And this is what I read this week. And it says, as for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. Now, I read that, and this is probably speaking of the return of Christ and eternal things. But it's the already and not yet. It's, it's going to be, but it can be held today too. In certain ways. But it was, I read that this week. And as for me, I will behold your face in righteousness. Like that is the place of utter beauty and joy. There's nothing greater. There's nothing I want more. There's, there's no hobby in this life. There's no amount of money that can buy. There's no pursuit of a certain pleasure that can rival beholding the face of my God and, and saying, then I read this and when I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. Now, when I see the word satisfied in the Bible, I'm like, 
circle, underline, squiggly, arrows pointing to it, satisfied. Why? Because every day I'm in a battle for what actually satisfies. Every day Satan's trying to lure me away to things that say they satisfy, but they don't. Every day my flesh is longing to pursue pleasures that are lies, that are empty, that are worthless, but they look good from the outside, but you get there and you're so disappointed. So when I see satisfied, I shall be satisfied. What happens? I believe it in my heart. I testify with the Spirit of God, with my spirit that jesus christ is the only one who truly satisfies it's his likeness that brings joy and satisfaction to my heart this is one verse from god's word where as i read it the precepts of the lord are right they rejoice my heart the commandment of the lord it's pure and enlightens my eyes you see what happens one verse one opportunity sitting there by myself and god has spoken and i am changed this is what occurs through the law of the lord that is perfect it revives our souls And you're telling me that the word has to be or put down and we're not going to engage it again, again. If there's one thing I'm trying to convince you of today through God's word is you cannot live the Christian life apart from the voice of God. And the voice of God is found ultimately in the word of God. And it's for your greatest joy and for God's greatest glory and for our greatest benefit that our hearts would rejoice, that our eyes would be open, that our lives would be satisfied in the only one who truly satisfies. Verse nine, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. I did not see this before this week. I did not know this, but the the phrase, the fear of the Lord is David's another expression for the law of the Lord, for the word of God. And what he's doing here, I love this. He's instantly connecting reverence for the Lord, ready, with the faithfulness of God's word. Because it's all embedded here within the law of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord is another phrase for the law of the Lord, for the word of God. But what he's doing here is there must be a reverence for God and honor for him with a faithfulness for the word of God as well. That's so fantastic. So if you're going to truly honor the Lord, you will have a fear of him. If you truly fear the Lord, you must have a faithfulness to his word. Now, you can love God's word like the Pharisees did in an um, idolatry sense, bibliolatry, where you're worshiping the pages. You can love the Bible but miss out on God, but you cannot love God and miss out on his word. If you truly love God, you will have a faithfulness for his word. This is what we're seeing in David right here. The fear of the Lord is clean and enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous Altogether, so so let the word go out today. God is speaking. What's he saying? He's saying it very clearly. He's saying this. My voice is heard through my word. My word is awesome because I have caused my word to be supernatural, wisdom giving, life changing, and joy producing. And so God is speaking. And again, are we listening? Charles Spurgeon. He, uh, he says this. It was just so perfect for this series of God speaking. He says, this volume, which is the Bible, is the writing of the living God. Each letter was penned with an almighty finger. Each word in it dropped from the everlasting lips. Each sentence dictated by the Holy Spirit. Everywhere I find God speaking, it is God's voice. Everywhere. Not man's. The words are God's words. The words of the eternal, the invisible, the almighty, the Jehovah of the earth. The word of God is God speaking to his church. And we can never close this book. 
if we want to truly love our God. Supernatural wisdom giving, life-changing, joy-producing. I love that string of words. It blesses my soul. And here's the second point then. If the word of God is, and it is, supernatural, wisdom giving, life-changing, joy-producing, then obviously number two must come. Therefore then, the Lord, the word of God must be greatly valued. If the word of God is what it says it is, and it says what God does, then of course we must place immense value on it because there's no other book like it. There's no other way to hear the voice of God. So it must hold and naturally such huge value in my life for the right reasons. Verse 10, more to be desired are they. What's they? They is law of the Lord, testimony of the Lord, precepts of the Lord, commandment of the Lord, fear of the Lord, rules of the Lord. More to be desired is the word of God than gold, even much fine gold. So how do we value the word of the Lord? We value it when we desire it more than money. When we desire it more than gold. Remember, David, who wrote this, was a fabulously wealthy man. Of course, he was king, and the king literally had it all. Yet, he was wise enough to know and apparently live that God's word holds greater value than gold. Well, a convicting message today for sure. We encourage you to be praying that God would help you as you choose to pursue him daily in your personal study and in prayer. Need some extra encouragement? Well, we have our previous messages and series available for you to listen online at liveinthelight.ca. Thanks for joining us today. We hope to see you again next time at Live in the Light.